The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. I'm here today with Dr. Kimberly Thompson, PhD, who is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Lubbock, Texas. Dr. Thompson is the author of Perfect Mothers Get Depressed, why trying to be perfect and please everyone increases your risk of postpartum depression. She's also author of The Mommy Blog. Dr. Thompson, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to have Dr. Thompson here today because, as many of you know, postpartum depression is something that really does happen. And the question is, do we recognize it in ourselves or in our family or in our clients? It seems to me that there are so many things that seem to fall through the cracks. And because Dr. Thompson is such an expert, I've invited her on the show today to talk to us about basically how do we know when somebody, maybe ourselves, when do we need help and how do we get that help? So, Dr. Thompson, I'd like to start out with a little bit about the causes and the triggers, and I realize that those things might overlap a bit. You talk about the two-hit model. Can you talk to us a little bit about the two-hit model? Yes. What the two-hit model means is that uh, certain people have a vulnerability to to depression uh, that is that brings on symptoms when they are undergoing certain kinds of stress. And right. so uh, for, uh, the, the uh, vulnerability to depression can uh, be thought of as a, a little bit of biology and a lot of relationship experiences, uh, family experiences, and the way that a woman thinks. Ooh, so is that really two things or three things? I was hearing biological relationship and way woman thinks. Well, I think of it as one thing, and the reason okay. is, is because uh, it's really hard to untangle, you know, 
exactly what is driving a woman's vulnerability to depression, and it might be a little bit different in every person. But those are all things that go into a woman being vulnerable to getting depressed when she is in stressful situations in her life. And then, you know, she so she's vulnerable, she has certain experiences, certain uh, genetic or physiological uh, background, and then she gets under stress, and that's uh-huh. when she begins to see symptoms. Okay, let me ask you this. Women sometimes think that uh, postpartum depression is caused by or somehow attributable to hormones only. Now, I don't know much about this, but I know that everybody gets pregnant and everybody gets postpartum, but not everybody gets depressed. So how does, what about this, it's just my hormones thing? How does that work? Well, an important thing to remember is although... um, Everybody has those hormonal changes during pregnancy and during uh, the postpartum period. Everybody's hormones fluctuate, but not everybody gets depressed. About 25% of women will experience some symptoms of postpartum depression. The estimates kind of vary widely, but that's that's a, a rule of thumb. Okay. So if you flip that around, 75% of women don't. Right. So right. Uh, it's important to remember that even though everybody experiences those hormonal fluctuations, it's not a determinant of you getting depressed. Okay. All right. So what about relationships? Because I'm thinking that our earliest relationships are with our parents in the household where we grow up. So is it really... We can have depression because we're more vulnerable because our mother had depression or some such thing like that? Or is it really because we grew up in the household with our mother? How, how does this relationship thing work? Well, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure that we can completely untangle the genes or the physiology that our mother passes down to us and uh-huh. uh, the way of understanding how to be in relationships that she passes down to us. Those are just all tangled up together. So uh, we do know that depression is a social problem. In other words, uh, it has to do with our social relationships and the way we interact with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, would it be fair to say that if a woman has had less than optimal relationships, she's vulnerable to postpartum depression or maybe more vulnerable than somebody else? Absolutely. Uh, We do know that trauma in early childhood, actually trauma at any point in life, increases a woman's likelihood to become depressed. Uh, Issues with child neglect um, can increase uh, a woman's uh, vulnerability to depression. But, you know, relationship problems don't have to be that severe. They don't have to be traumatic. They don't have to be uh, neglectful. Uh, It can simply be a matter of, uh, for example, uh, not understanding what your responsibility in a relationship is and what the other person's is so that you... Uh feel guilty when things go wrong, even though you really couldn't control it. Those kind of distortions that people, especially women, tend to do. Mm-hmm. I think we've all done at least a little bit of that. That kind of leads me to thinking about uh, 
We had a woman on the show who was talking about anxiety, and she talked about the story in your head. Uh, what can you tell us about the story in your head, the way that we think? Well, you know, anxiety is, is intimately related to depression. And okay. some people can just stay anxious forever, and they don't ever get depressed. They're, they may be unhappy and miserable because of anxiety, but they're not really depressed. But other people uh, tend to um, become anxious, and then after a while, it's kind of like revving your engine when you're in park. It's, you know, you stay anxious about things you can't control, and sort of like your psychological engine starts to burn out. And Ooh, you become I like depressed. that. Okay. And... Um, the story in your head, we, we know from uh, the research that I've conducted, uh, for, our, for perinatal women, uh, some of the most important components uh, of becoming depressed is believing that other people that are important to you expect you to be perfect or, mm. the, or at the very least that they expect too much out of you, that they expect you to be more than you are, that you're not enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's interesting because I usually tell uh, women that it's it's not necessary to be what I call the hostess with the mostest. People somehow think that they've got to keep up everything that they've been doing before they got this new baby, and sometimes that's just not realistic. So can women beat themselves into the ground? Oh, absolutely, and I do believe that this generation of of new mothers may be under more pressure than ever before, mm. um, because not only is it the hostess with the mostest, but it's also the career woman, the professional woman that's on a very stressful uh, and uh, very uh, high-powered track in their profession, and suddenly uh, maybe they may have had some expectations that that this new baby, it's going to kind of be a seamless transition uh, back into their old life. And the fact is, is that once we have a baby, we have a new normal. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, you know, uh, people often ask me, having been in a nursing role for many years, when is it going to get back to normal? And I <laughs> tell them, Never. There will be a new normal, but but the, the old normal is gone. So, Kim, let's let's talk about this story in your head because I think it's hugely important. Now, before I come on today, I'm thinking, okay, so I've got to do this. I've got to be prepared. I've got to have my questions together. Uh, to me, that story in my head is I've got to do a good job, and that doesn't seem pathologic to me. So when is it that, what kinds of things do women hear in their head that are signals that they're really in the depression mode? Well, it's important to recognize something called double binds that we put okay. in, um, put ourselves in. Uh, another way to put it is you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Ah, okay, got it. Uh, and that's what a double bind is. And so if we could go back to the... Um, the thoughts that important people expect us to be perfect, most of us are very well aware that we're not perfect and that perfection yeah. is not in the cards for us. 
if we are in this double bind where I can't be perfect, yet I must be perfect in order to be good enough, in order to be accepted, in order to do my job the correct way, um, that's a double bind. And so all kinds of double binds that we put ourselves in where no matter where we turn, we can't win, those are setting us up for depression. So can you give us some examples of of actual words that would be or phrases that would be going around in somebody's head? Well, the the interesting thing about that question is a lot of times we have images in our heads rather than words. Oh, okay. So that kind of makes it a little tricky. It takes some thought for you to recognize the thoughts that you're having because it usually comes in the form of images. You know, and I think that that is one of the things that can uh, set up a woman for becoming depressed postpartum is if she has some kind of... uh, images in our head of being able to do this perfectly, that we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to all be a, a perfect little household and, you know, nothing's going to go wrong and there's some unrealistic expectations. And then also kind of lurking behind that is if it doesn't all go okay and perfectly, then I'm a failure. Mm. Then, we've, then we, hit, we hit reality, the baby has colic, or sometimes the baby's unhappy, or sometimes you uh, are out of kind of out of sync with your baby and you don't recognize he or she has an issue until she's kind of hysterical. You know, those ha- things happen to all of us. But to the woman that has it in her mind, has the image of herself as the perfect mother with the perfect baby and the perfect relationship, and then she's d- disappointed by the reality, that that's kind of the sort of thing that runs around in women's minds who are vulnerable to depression. I think this is hugely important because what I've just understood here is it's not just the words, it's it's really the story. And we know that there are picture books as in a picture of the story, or there are word books, uh, which is the story. And so it really is the story in your head, no matter uh, whether it's uh, words or some sort of image or expectation or uh, some other kind of thing about ourselves. This is really hugely interesting. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I will be right back with Dr. Thompson right after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff 
or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm here today with Dr. Kat, uh, Dr. Kimberly Thompson. Dr. Thompson, before the break, we were talking about some of the causes and triggers. And so now I'd like to talk to you about uh, women's understanding uh, we, we talked a little bit about how it's not just hormonal. There is more to it. Uh, I'd like to talk about the stigma of going for help because I find that people would never give a second thought to going to find help for their broken ankle or their asthma or their whatever. But it seems to me like they're less likely to go for help with their mood disorders. Is that true? Well, I definitely think that in our society there are a great number of people who are not as familiar with the kind of uh, psychological help that they can get. Uh, They're much more familiar with the medical side of it. Mm, Uh, And also there's definitely uh, a stigma attached for some people, not all, but for Uh some people uh, with going to get help. Um, you know, that some people seem to feel that that is a display of weakness. Uh, um, uh-huh. But there are a couple of things that I think are really big issues with, with actually going to get psychological help. Okay. Uh, n- number one is that um, I believe that there are a lot of people out there that believe that uh, perinatal or postpartum depression is a purely hormonal issue. And we yep. already discussed this. 
Um, but my husband is an OBGYN, uh, has been in practice for many years. And uh, he, a lot of times in the exam room, he hears the phrase, Doc, can you help me? I am so hormonal. Uh, uh. Uh, when he digs a little deeper, he's, he's discovering depression and anxiety and irritability and relationship problems and that sort of thing. But in our society, we tend to um, go to the biological explanation. That's a really great insight because you're saying that some people, this is why we have a show, by the way, uh, Dr. Thompson is helping us to understand that sometimes we don't recognize these things within ourselves. And then when we do go for help to the medical doctor, when we word it as I'm kind of hormonal, can you help me here? I can totally, I totally can get how the doctor could very easily uh, go down that road without, as you say, digging a little deeper. And that's just so critical. But let me ask you this. Do you think that some people are fearful? I'm sort of going in my own head here. Nowadays, you feel like if you do anything wrong, social services is going to take away your baby. Do you think that's part of it? Oh, I absolutely do, especially when women are having scary thoughts. And Ah. what I mean by scary thoughts are uh, when a woman is in a full-blown depressive episode, negativity is very, very close to the surface. And it's very easy for her to start thinking all kinds of scary, fearful, negative thoughts. And it's really hard for her to get out of that. Uh, It's really hard for her to think, you know, you can't just tell somebody, well, think good thoughts. Uh, Like, if I could, I would be already, you know. Uh, (laughs) But, um, and so one of the things about being depressed uh, when you have a baby is often you are going to, the fearful thoughts, the thoughts about um, something bad happening to your baby. And then that can kind of morph into, again, those images that we talked about, about uh-huh. imagining yourself dropping the baby, throwing the baby, do, you know, those kind of things, which typically, uh, if a woman is not losing touch with reality, typically um, she's going to be horrified by, and it's just going to be just terrifying that she's having those thoughts and uh, of course the next thing uh, typically a woman will think is I can't tell anybody because right. they'll take my baby yeah. and so there's this huge um, circle of I'm in bad trouble therefore I'm having scary thoughts and I'm having scary thoughts therefore I can't seek help and, I can't, and when I don't seek help it's hard to get better So, Dr. Thompson, supposing that I'm the woman's nurse, or I'm her next-door neighbor, or I'm her mother-in-law, maybe she hasn't told me about these thoughts in her head, but are there some signs and other symptoms that I can look for to help her to get a grip on what I think might be a problem? How can can I, as just a knowledgeable observer, uh, help her? Well, number one, the one thing that has to be present anytime um, a depression is diagnosed is it has to be a low mood, a blue mood, sadness, 
but it doesn't have to be exhibited as in crying, although a lot of times with new mothers it is exhibited in crying. Um, but it also can just be very uh, high level of irritability, just grouchiness, mm. grouchiness, snapping at people. Um, and it needs to kind of, it can't be like a normal reaction to something that just happened, but rather something that sticks, you know, comes around and hangs around. Uh, like that an would overreaction? Uh, say that again, please. Like an overreaction or like a lingering reaction? Well, both of them could possibly be something that's kind of out of okay. proportion to what happened. Ah, uh-huh. But also something that, that is pervasive. Uh, by pervasive, I mean um, it, it, it doesn't go away. There's not, it's not a reaction to something specific. It's just kind of, you know, being either sad or being irritable or, or even kind of feeling empty and not being able to feel normal, happy emotions. Yeah, I would say those are definitely things that we all need to be aware of because we we see these people and not necessarily in a professional context. Now, when Kathleen Kendall Tackett was on the show, she talked about uh, the the question that I posed to her at the time, which is some women just think that they've got... Uh, baby blues and it's my understanding that baby blues just last the you know like a few days like maybe a week but beyond that it's really not baby blues would can you address that well yes and and one of the things to remember is that what we call baby blues just um it it really refers to kind of a reactivity of mood and i know that's that's kind of a technical word but it's 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 basically where you easy go, easily go up and you easily go down and then oh, uh, uh-huh. you're kind of all over the map yeah, um okay and uh but you know if we're talking about actual depression first of all um to even diagnose a, de- a real depression, it ha- the low mood, the sadness, or the irritability, or the emptiness needs to have lasted at least two weeks, most ah. most of the day, and most every day. Okay. Um, so we're not talking about something that's kind of fleeting, but it sticks around. Yeah, I would agree that when I and I've seen many mothers with uh, baby blues, and you're right, they. They are down, but they're also up. And when you say this about having these down moods that last for at least two weeks, to me, that gives us some parameters for understanding that, in fact, uh, this is sustained. Would that be the right word? Absolutely. And it's important that we don't turn something into a disorder that's Mm. just, uh, just because we have a sad emotion or even that we have a sad mood one day and we, we pretty much know why we're sad or we know why we're, we're irritated or whatever and it doesn't last, we don't want to call that a disorder. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm seeing exactly where you're going with this. Okay, here's another thing that comes up, Dr. Thompson. There are women who really do honestly think that breastfeeding is going to, quote, make them more likely to be depressed. I can't find any literature to substantiate that, nor do I have any clinical experience that substantiates that. What would you say? Well, I definitely... Uh, don't think that 
that is true. I think the opposite is more likely to be true. However, yeah. however, I will say that it's my opinion that you don't breastfeed to prevent depression either. Oh, absolutely. Right. I would definitely agree with that. You, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that there is a correlation that um, moms that are depressed are less likely to breastfeed, but I don't necessarily think the breastfeeding component is the causing factor. Um, it's more likely that the perfectionism, the tendency to, mm-hmm. to expect so much and to think oh. I'm not doing this right... Um, Tends to um, tends to cause women to prematurely wean their babies. Uh, well, yes, and I was just yes, I was just going to bring that up, which is when a woman does have postpartum depression, I try to gently urge her to not wean abruptly because I know that the abrupt weaning may actually increase her symptoms because of the hormonal levels. Am I right on that? Well, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for that. I wouldn't say that I can speak to that very well, but I do know that abrupt weaning makes you really miserable. Um, <laughs> and you're yes. not going to feel better when your breasts are engorged and, you know, yep. and you're, so, uh, you know, any, at any level, weaning has to be a gradual process if you want to minimize your discomfort. Boy, that's a great point because it's uh, it's not just what's in your head or your hormones floating around. It's actually your whole body that is reacting and in a way that uh, it certainly cannot make anybody feel better. Wow, this has been a great uh, enlightening, uh, enlightening moment for me here. Uh, I'm with uh, Dr. Kim Thompson, and we are talking about postpartum depression. Now, on the other side of the break... We're going to talk about what helps women to actually get help. So do not go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? 
Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Kimberly Thompson, and we're talking about postpartum depression. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the reasons why women don't go for help. And so now I'd like to talk about some reasons why women actually do go for help and some ways that you can really find some good help when you need it. But, you know, Ashley, Dr. Thompson, I want to back up for just a moment. There are some people who think that postpartum depression won't happen to yuppies. It just happens to women who are uh, uh, socioeconomically disadvantaged, which Uh, Certainly it does, but that doesn't mean that women who are yuppies are automatically exempt. Am I right? Absolutely. Uh, Becoming depressed during pregnancy or postpartum is something that happens to women across uh, the uh, income spectrum, across the uh, subcultural spectrum, uh, the ethnic spectrum. Uh, It it happens to rural women. It happens to urban women. Um, it's just something that um, does not discriminate in terms of, of, you know, however you describe yourself. Hmm. Is it true that socioeconomically deprived women are more at risk? Yes, it is. Uh, poverty can be, you know, it kind of goes back to that two-hit model that we talked about. Poverty is a stressor and an extreme oh, stressor. Oh, right. Uh, so for a woman that's predisposed to get depressed, um, you know, to have this constant stressor about finances, about not having many choices when it comes to uh, going back to work after having a baby or how much you're going to work or, you know, not having a lot of choices in what you can afford as far as child care, um, those are all extreme stressors. And so they are going to bear on a woman's risk of getting depressed. That totally, totally makes sense to me. I'm listening with both ears connected. So you talk also about uh, the importance of therapy as 
being something that you would do for yourself. So if I'm a postpartum mother and I'm thinking about whether or not I need some therapy, the first thing I would be thinking about is, oh, I should be able to get by this myself. And then I would be thinking about how much does it cost? Uh, So how do I start thinking about this as something I could do for myself? Well, I think that it's important to think of uh, psychotherapy as something that you you do as a as part of your self care regimen. Um, that if you if you exercise, which by the way is a great way to help combat depression symptoms, uh, if you get a, a regular massage, if you get manicures and pedicures, those are all things that you do uh, for your body. Right. And and tree and caring for the body is very important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I would never sure. discourage anybody from doing that. However, sure. psychotherapy is about taking care of yourself from the inside out. It's mm-hmm. about um, it's about uh, altering the way you think and learning to alter the way you behave in your closest relationships um, because those are the things that have created this vulnerability to, vulnerability to getting depressed. And uh, it can also help you achieve uh, your goals for your body, your weight loss goals, uh, your healthy goals. Getting your emotions and your thoughts in order can help you achieve all kinds of goals in your life. Oh, that just makes so much sense. That just totally makes sense. I'm I'm definitely going to keep that in mind, and I hope everyone else will, too. Here's another thing. I find that people tend to go for help, uh, whether they're, I don't know, an alcoholic or a gambler or a whatever. Sometimes they're motivated to go for help because they have friends who have had good outcomes. Is that the same with uh, depression? Do you think that people... If, I know, for instance, that Marie Osmond wrote a book about her postpartum depression, and I'm sure that the reason she did it was to help other, to convince other women that, A, it's okay to go, and B, it actually works. Do you think that this is an influencing factor? How would you respond to that? I definitely think it helps to have celebrities come out and um, say that, you know, they've experienced this and that they've experienced treatment and that it works and that it helps. Uh, I would... All but caution that I've seen a few that, um, you know, they went into inpatient treatment for six weeks and, you know, and that sort of thing. And most women don't see that as being a, an option for them. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to leave home and go to a spa for six weeks or whatever in order to get psychological help. Uh, um, and, and, and you know, occasionally that you really do need an inpatient treatment. So I wouldn't, I don't want to discount that for everyone. But right. typically, um, once a week therapy in conjunction with uh, treatment with some kind of medication uh, with by your physician, um, combined with some things you can do in between times to take care of yourself, those uh, generally will be very, very helpful and help a woman recover from depression and also give her some skills so that hopefully that she doesn't need to uh, experience this again. Uh, Yeah. uh, Some skills to not experience this again, I would think would be huge. Here's another thing that I worry about. 
what kind of money does it cost and does insurance pay for it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, yes, insurance typically does cover outpatient uh, psychotherapy. Uh, some people, some psychotherapists take insurance, others don't, and, and a lot of us fall somewhere in the middle where we take some plans and not others. This is kind of uh, an issue that um, is kind of a quirk in our medical system is that um, sometimes you may need to pay out of pocket uh, for your psychotherapy. Uh, the good news is, is that psychotherapy does not work like medication in that you don't have to take it on a certain schedule in order for you to get any benefit. Oh, so if I am not able to take a patient's um, insurance plan, I can work with her on the schedule that she finds financially doable. Okay. That, that to me, opens up a lot of options because very often people don't go for help because they're fearful of what it's going to cost. And I'm sure that it costs different kind of money in Lubbock, Texas than what it costs in Washington, D.C. or what it costs in Chicago. So it probably doesn't make much sense for us to actually talk numbers there. But uh, certainly those are things that people need to consider and somehow figure out, you know, like, how am I going to do this? Dr. Thompson, I would be concerned about picking out a doctor or picking out a dentist or picking out a child care provider and I would definitely be concerned about how am I going to pick out a therapist you know to me this is somebody I've got to be fairly comfortable with what kinds of things can help women to figure out who they're going to click with and who they're not going to click with well, word of mouth is a, a hugely important thing if if you're plugged into a network where you can get those kind of that kind of information, um, and uh, and also um, having a recommendation from your physician helps too. If your physician, especially if your OBGYN physician is or your midwife is. Um, connected to some people that provide good psychological care. So those are all uh, questions. If you're concerned about just making sure that you're finding someone that's qualified and ethical, uh, your state psychological board or your state state psychological association generally uh, provides uh, some information on practitioners um, so that you know if the psychologist you're going to um, has any complaints against them, if they're qualified to do what they're doing, that sort of thing. So what's the difference between... I don't even know how to ask this question. A lot of people put themselves out there as a therapist or a counselor, but they're not necessarily a Ph.D. prepared psychologist like you are. So does it matter? I think it matters quite a bit um, that we do have... Uh, as a nurse, you, you're familiar with the concept of mid-levels, right? Yeah. You have the, the MDs that are the right. physicians, and then you have a lot of people that provide care that are master's level trained, like nurse practitioners and uh, physician's assistants and that sort of thing. We right. have the same thing in psychology. Right. Uh, so I'm a Ph.D. Uh, trained and also a Ph.D. licensed psychologist in the state of Texas. We also have mid-level practitioners, 
and um, I'm not saying that uh, not that there are plenty of good people out there that can be very helpful to you. But I have I have undergone extensive training, um, more extensive training than the master's level people have done, and so it would take someone trained at the master's level uh, many years to uh, have the experience that I had through the rigorous training that I've received. Now, see, that really makes a lot of sense to me because although I am actually not a nurse practitioner, uh, I'm an advanced practice nurse, but I'm a clinical nurse specialist, Uh, I know that there are things for which I would really feel like I wanted to see the MD and others for which, if, if I've got an ear infection, quite honestly, I'm very sure that the nurse practitioner can do everything that the doctor can do and probably more because she's probably got more time. And I think that you're saying the same thing, is you're, you're picking out a different level of care and that doesn't necessarily make it any more or less effective. But certainly, you know, I'm kind of thinking if I've got a brain tumor, I, I really... <laughs> I want to see not only the MD, I want to see the guy that has subspecialized. So that seems to really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Hey, everybody, don't go away. On the other side of the break, I'm going to be talking with uh, Dr. Thompson more about really just wrapping up here all that we've talked about today and giving you a little bit of how you can take the next steps forward don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm here today with my guest, uh, Dr. Kimberly Thompson. Thank you so much. We'll be right back right after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? 
Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back. I'm here today with my special guest, Dr. Kimberly Thompson. Dr. Thompson, you've talked so much about the importance of these triggers and how one feels about oneself, lifelong relationships. Those are all so important. But one of the things, and I know this could be a whole show in and of itself, but you've mentioned a couple of things that people can actually do for themselves without getting therapy. Could you talk just a little bit about uh, the whole idea of taking care of yourself? What does that mean other than getting therapy? Well, I think that if you can kind of think about taking care of yourself from the inside out, mm-hmm. uh I think that one of the biggest obstacles that not only women that are vulnerable to depression, but women in general have, is um, believing that it's a good thing for them to take care of themselves. But uh, women that are vulnerable to depression tend to take that to an extreme, to where they tend to believe that loving other people means that their own needs always have to come last. Yeah. so self-care is very, very important, and the major obstacle to getting women into the groove of taking care of themselves is just that first step of believing that they are deserving of self-care. So some of the things that I'm referring to when I talk about self-care is engaging in a regular exercise program, taking the time to do that, uh, uh Making sure that you are eating in a healthy manner, uh, which is really hard. And a lot of times, you know, you're eating off the children's plates instead of actually (laughs) sitting down and eating your own food. Um, Another thing that is very, very beneficial to helping women overcome depression is to indulge themselves in a regular massage. Um, There's a lot of benefits that uh, we know come from massage, and like you said, that could be a whole other um, program. Uh, And another thing, 
partly, it's, it's, you said aside psychotherapy. Well, one of the things that we um, talk about in psychotherapy is learning to set pr- appropriate boundaries with other people. That can be done in psychotherapy, but, uh, you know, um, you can also learn to set appropriate boundaries outside of psychotherapy as well, learning to how to say no, learning uh-huh. how to say that's my private business, that's, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, boy, I know I'm a real people pleaser. It's really hard for me to say no. And, you know, that just escalates so much on both the personal and the business level. So how about the whole idea of uh, getting up in the morning? Because some people just have trouble just pulling themselves out of bed. What can you say about that? Oh, well, me too. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I bet the depressed woman. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, it's it's really hard. Um, Well, actually, you know, some some women have trouble pulling themselves out of bed during depression, but other women wake up at three o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And there are some. There is a thought that the the core deficit in depression is the sleep disturbances. That in other words, you're going to be more emotionally uh, upset and you're going to have a harder time functioning if you're sleep deprived, no matter what. Um, And so um, protecting your sleep to begin with is very important, and especially when you have a newborn in the house, to get that help with protecting your sleep is huge. I don't know if I answered your question, though. Well, yes, uh, in the sense, and I'm thinking very often, this goes along with saying no, and it also goes along with asking for help. I usually find that sometimes there are, I don't know, relatives, sisters, mothers, mothers-in-law who want to come along and take care of the baby, and I try to encourage them, take care of the laundry and the dishes that are piling up and everything else, and let the mother go take a nap. Because Absolutely. <laughs> I'm right <you> know, that. <laughs> Uh, naps, and I'm sure you know there's a whole a whole bunch of literature just around the usefulness of a nap for anybody, but certainly for a new mother. So help us with, with, with this, uh, Dr. Thompson. I know that we can't just tell people, oh, relax, 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 because you're just telling the person to do something that they can't do. But on the flip side of that, how important is it for the woman to just tell herself she's going to beat this depression. Is this part of the story in your head? Absolutely. And I will say that uh, the the root of my very interest in this is because I was a depressed new mom three times, well, really four times over. Uh, I have three birth sons, and then I have uh, an adopted daughter. And so I believe that I went into a depression uh, with each of them. Um, and um, I believe that the core turning point for me was beating depression and feeling like uh, I have beat it long term was deciding I was not going to roll over and let this have me. Good. That I was going to fight. Good. Yeah, because otherwise the depression really does win, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I tell this uh, to people who have failed an exam that, you know, otherwise if you don't get up and just make up your mind you're going to do it, 
then the exam board or whoever it is wins. You've got to win and you kind of got to get fired up about it. Uh, I guess it's, you know, it's a little different than that old saying, take a bite of the hair of the dog that bit you, but <laughs> it's along <laughs> those lines of really just saying, I I can do this. I'm a big believer that if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. And that was a Henry Ford quote. But it's so true that we can think ourselves in or out of things. And so, you know, hopefully the good things. I just want to mention that Dr. Thompson is the author of a wonderful book that probably should be on your shelf. It's called Perfect Mothers Get Depressed. And Dr. Thompson, tell us where we can find that book. Well, it is put out by Proclaris Press, P-R-A-E-C-L-A-R-U-S Press. And you can find that um, on the Internet. and it's, it's got its own website, and you can buy the book from Proclaris Press, or you can simply go to a place like Amazon.com because it's available there. Excellent. And I would also like to mention her website, which is, curiously enough, an, uh, a title you never would have thought of. It would be KimberlyThompsonPhD.com. Oh, excuse me. Is it Dr. Kimberly Thompson? Well, I tell you what, I also you can reach it from a much easier URL to remember. Okay. It is www.the-mommy-mentor.com. All righty. That is excellent. That takes all of the work out of trying to spell it or type it wrong. Thank you so much. But as usual, that's all the time we have today. So before I sign off, I'd just like to thank my guest, Dr. Kimberly Thompson. Dr. Thompson, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Finally, I would like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 